You are now listening to the Enter VR podcast. I'm Chris Miranda, your host, and today I'm speaking with Harvey Ball, aka Stone Fox, aka Thistiny Fox. Harvey Ball, sir, the Stone Fox, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. So you're the creator of VRTK, um, and you are the enabler of uh, so much goodness <laughs> right now because VRTK was, at least for me, one of the things that like. Um, for the longest time, I, I, so I've been doing this podcast for like around five years now, and I've had this imposter syndrome in me where like I've been saying to myself like, you know, why should people listen to this podcast? Like all I do is talk about VR. I don't even make VR. And then here comes VRTK, and you allowed me, you know, thanks to Udemy and YouTube videos, you allowed me to make my very first demo. Um and I'm super excited, and I was in, and and it erased my imposter syndrome. Um, so thank you so much, man. Thank you so much for building VR. You're, you're welcome. That's great. It's great to hear stories like that where people feel that they can actually have a go at it and realize it's not as daunting or as you know off-putting as what it initially seems. Yeah, it definitely feels like at first it feels like a mountain, um, but then but then. Just kind of like you're just climbing a mountain. Instead, you, you don't look down. You just keep going. And I was and I was I like, kept going and I kept going. And then I built this thing and I looked I look back at it. And I'm like, and I and I'm sort of in shock with like how did I do this? Yeah. <laughs> I'm, it's so amazing because then you put on the headset and you're like, whoa, I made this. It's it's so much more visceral. It's become you know how people are like we're looking for the VR's killer app. VR's killer app. This for me. Making VR is VR's killer app, and VRTK has like landed that for me, uh, or segmented that even more. So let me get into the details and the basics of how VRTK got started. Um, yeah, how did VRTK first come about? So um, I started messing about with Unity probably about two years ago uh, in March 2016, I think. I mean, it's not. I'm not new to development i've been a developer uh professional developer for like pretty much my whole career uh, not a games developer though i'm uh, more web development and application development like for a business software but then i started messing about with unity uh, as a hobby in my spare time and i built a little game um and it was rubbish it's on my github page somewhere i think with unity the uh, game that i made um and then the htc vive came out and i bought one of those the same as everybody else and uh, i wanted to make something for it because as you just uh, alluded to then being able to build for stuff is the coolest thing that you can do. So when you just said, uh, you know, the, the killer app is being able to build for this thing, it really is, and it's very, very similar to back in, like, when I grew up back in the 1980s, when you first had uh, a Commodore 64 or maybe an Amiga or one of those sorts of computers, the coolest thing about it was you could build your own games. And we're now seeing uh, kind of like a, a, a shift now in that very few people can build the games that they play because very few people can build a Call of Duty or very few people can build a Fortnite. But these VR games that are coming out, a lot of people are thinking to themselves, I could have a go at that. I could, I could build something like that. So that was where I was coming from. Um, and I 
known a little bit of Unity. So I, I followed up Unity. I had a look on uh, the web to see if I could find any documentation or anything of how to build for VR. Found very little. Uh, came across the Steam VR plugin. Um, installed it. Tried to use it, and then I thought I just want to do simple things. Like, well, how can I pick something up, grab and throw around, and that? And I, I couldn't believe how hard it was, how difficult it was to get anything done. Um, and as you said earlier on, the imposter syndrome kicks in, and I was thinking maybe this isn't for me. You know, I'm a developer, so it's not like I'm totally new to this stuff. I know, I've, you know, I did a degree in computer science. I've been a developer for fifteen odd years, so I'm a developer and then I start doing this one I just don't get how to do this this is so hard and there was no help on the internet I went on YouTube there were very few videos teaching you anything at all um, and I almost gave up and then I came back to it on the weekend and I went through the code of the Steam VR examples and I kind of pieced together what they were doing here and there and then I wrote um, a very very simple uh, Unity script that you could add into your scene and it gave you the concept of being able to use a, a pointer, being able to teleport and be able to grab stuff. And that's all it did. It was one script that you drop into your scene and it gave you that functionality. And uh, I uploaded the script to uh, a GitHub gist. So it was just a, a public script um, that anybody could get and download. And then I made a, a little YouTube video showing uh, how to use it and what it did. And that was that. I just thought, you know, being, coming from a web development background, I'm very used to open source. I'm very used to sharing ideas, things like that. Um, so that's what I did. I just shared it, did, uh, did what I, I usually do. And then, like, within a week, the video had totally exploded. Like, so many people were watching this video, getting the script, asking questions about it. Because, obviously, there were probably a lot of other people in my situation wanting to build and just not figuring out what to do. And then I kind of like took a step back and thought, well, well, people shouldn't be using this script if they're going down this detail because it was really bad. Like it, it took me about I don't know two or three hours to write the whole thing, but it, it did a job and that was fine. So I said, right, what I'm going to do is I'm going to try and make this a little bit more uh, formal, a bit more of a framework type thing. Um, so that's kind of like where the initial uh, aspect of VRTK came from. It originally, it was called the Steam VR Unity Toolkit because it was literally for Steam VR and Unity, and it was a toolkit of things that you could do in VR. Like you could add a pointer, you could teleport, you could grab things. Um, I'm trying to think of what the, the first version did. It was extremely basic. What like even before like VRTK became a thing. Um, and that's kind of like where it came from. And then since then, since like April 2016, which was when that first commit was done to the repository, uh, it's just grown and grown and grown to what it is today, really. Wow. What a story. I, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's amazing. And it just, and it grew out of like, and it, it, but, but you see, you tapped into, were you, did you know that you were tapping into a, 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 like a untapped need that people wanted or or was this something that you know like like you did you know going into this that like okay there's going to be people reaching out to me later on to ask about this script or was this something you just put out there you know without any expectations i just put it out there it's like, as i say from my perspective i went on the internet and had a, a quick uh, search for things didn't really find anything but coming from a web development background i'm just so used to be there being 
four or five different frameworks to choose from, lots of documentation, lots of uh, help groups, lots of communities. Um, I'm, I'm used to that, and I'm not in the games industry or in the, this development in, industry. So I you know, assumed it would be the same. So I put something out there thinking, well, people may or may not use this. You know, before this, I was uh, a complete uh, nobody on GitHub. I think my highest starred repository was some Elixir uh, repo showing off some uh, concurrent usage, something totally boring. Um, and I just put it out there, just thinking, well, you know, I didn't know if there was a need or not. I figured there'd be there'd be other stuff out there that people would would be using. Um, and then, you know, ever since then, it's been uh, not only just VRTK as in the package enabling people to do stuff, but the, the bigger part of it is the VRTK community, which is primarily the, the VRTK Slack channel where most people get in. I think that's got over 4,000 users now worldwide in the, in the VRTK Slack channel. And it's, it's that same thing of people just coming in from all different backgrounds, whether they're developers or they're artists or they're audio people or, you know, wh- whatever they may be. They're coming in there and they want to build stuff uh, in VR. And they're all helping each other out. They're all chatting, I've got a problem with this, I've got a problem with that. And it was wasn't until that really kicked in that I realised that the the two industries are, are quite different. Like as I say, web development is very community driven, and I found uh, the other side of it. It's it seems that there's a lot of smaller pockets of communities, not big communities. So to me, it was it was totally alien for it to to, to be the way it was. But obviously, it has filled a gap um, that wasn't happening in that industry. Yeah, indeed, and so let's zoom out for a little bit and and i want to i'm wondering about what is your perspective in terms of like um how or more like why is vr working on vrtk important to you from sort of the 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 bird's eye view perspective so for me uh when i was a kid and i was growing up one of the coolest things i was able to do as i said was i had uh my first computer was a commodore vic 20 i had it when i was five years old and i remember getting the little book out the back you played the games you got the little book and then you typed some code in and then the computer did something based on what you typed in and for me that was just the most magical thing I could have ever done on a computer be able to I've put something in and I've made it do something and then you go on and uh, you build simplistic games and things like that so when I first did that within uh, VR and built a really really basic uh, thing that utilized like a very early version of VRTK um, it was just like well there's got to be a whole generation of people out there that are totally new to this. And then I started seeing a lot of the games that were coming out. And, and this happens a lot as well in uh, in all walks of life, really. The people that are already in that industry will do what they know. So you see a lot of games that are coming out that are, are you know, replications of existing desktop-based games or console games or mobile market games because the people that are building them are existing developers and that's what they know now if we go back again to my childhood uh, into the 80s a a software developer or a computer programmer back at the time was generally somebody in a white lab coat that worked on a computer that was the size of a room and they fed punch tape into it and 
gave it instructions. That was your, you know, your computer programmer. The whole game industry wasn't created by those people. The, you know, the, the seasoned developers that had been around for the last 20 years. The games industry was created by people that had an itch to scratch that sat in their bedrooms writing cool and weird games on these old uh, home computers. So for me, that's what really drives VRTK forward is, can this be a new kind of revolution where we bring a whole new generation of people into a new medium, effectively, and they're going to just bring new ideas, totally fresh ideas that aren't kind of baked in the past of, well, we want to build a first-person shooter or we want to build this or whatever, because that's what we've done for the past five or ten years. I think the new people coming into it, they're just going to come up with really crazy, weird and wonderful ideas that really prove what the technology can do. Yeah, it really does. And for me, where where I came out of um, to start building my, my little game was, I was like, you know what, I haven't seen anything that resembles... American Ninja Warrior. Okay, I'm going to look at. I'm going to create an obstacle course that resembles American Ninja Warrior, and I'm going to like use VRTK's attached grab mechanic to like swing my arms around the obstacle course, and it worked out. And it's amazing because like, you know, these. This is what. Uh, this is like the the what what set, sets it apart from anything else I've ever used. Where like I go from like idea to implementation to like okay now i have it and it's amazing and so i'm wondering about you know what guided you in building out vrtk like how did you know what features were 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 the thing that you needed to work on next it was all driven by the community so from day one i'm not not straight from day one really my to start with, it was, this is what I think would be useful to people. Uh, and then before the, the Slack channel came about, a lot of people would get in touch and say, how would I do this? How do I do that? And I was literally just Skyping with people to help them with stuff. And I was like, this is not sustainable. You know, it was a, it was a hobby. I was doing it part-time. I still am. Um, and it was... Uh, something that needed to change so i've started the slack channel up so people could help each other out and the concept was you know very similar to a lot of uh, the web communities out there in web development people just get involved whether it's in uh you know irc channels or whatever and they they ask questions they help each other out etc and that's what um the, the slack channel was and then it was kind of like well we're all new to this you know, I had no idea what I was doing in VR development. I had no idea what the problems were. I had no idea what the solutions were. But, and and not any one person probably did. But if you put enough people together to kick around these ideas and find out what works and what doesn't work, you know, you can evolve stuff faster. Because evolution is just a million mistakes until one thing works. And the more people involved in that process, the faster it's going to go. So, um most of the, the features that came from VRTK, the name VRTK was come up by the community. The logo was uh, developed by the community. But there's, I think there's over 45 contributors to the code from the community. Um, a lot of the ideas of things required, like the climbing uh, thing that you mentioned, that was built by somebody in the community, uh, Matt Boy, um, who's still around every now and again. So he awesome. built that. Blue Teak from uh, Quiver, so the game Quiver, uh, which is obviously very popular, uses one of the earliest versions of VRTK, and Blue Teak wrote quite a few things uh, in there, so obviously he contributed the bow and arrow mechanic stuff back to the example scene, the radial menus he built, 
um, and uh, and a number of other things as well. So the community really came together and said, well, what do we need? And then you put it out there to people and they kick it around. And the arm swinging mechanic in there, there was two um, different arm swinging uh, assets around at the time. There was arm swinger and there was another one uh, which is going to escape my mind now. It's called like uh, immersive movement or immersive motion or something like that. And people were saying, oh, it'd be great if there was an arm swinger in VRTK as well. And I reached out to uh, the one developer, uh, the one for arm swinger. I said, oh, this would be really great if you, you know, you work this into VRTK or something. Um, and then within a week, the other developer of the other uh, asset contacted me and said, oh, I'd really like to put this into VRTK. So I'll just basically put them both together the two people that worked on you know the the most successful uh, arm swinging style assets had both shown an interest in contributing to vrtk so i just said you guys work together and come up with something so the thing that's in vrtk is largely uh, a, a product of their their hard work and time really so yeah vrtk is is driven by the passion of the community Wow, that's amazing. And it sort of, you sort of already answered my next question, was, which is, in a, well, partly answered my next question. I wonder what else you, you, you also have to say in terms of um, what sets VRTK apart from other tools uh, that are out there? Um, Besides the think, community. <laughs> I, th- I think the community is one of the, the biggest strengths that VRTK has. Obviously, VRTK... Um, does a lot under the hood it makes it extremely easy to prototype for multiple headsets or to build something for multiple headsets because obviously unity doesn't offer that at the moment out of the box um it's obviously something they are working on in future version future versions of unity unreal engine already does do that sort of stuff out of the box where you can just build something and it'll work with a multitude of headsets. Unreal Engine already does that uh, SDK abstraction, but Unity didn't, and it still doesn't uh, to date for everything, so you don't get haptics and things like this. Um, so it offers that. There are other toolkits that offer that as well. Um, but then on top of that, that community-driven uh, approach to just coming up with as many features that people can just try in their game, drop in, drop out, see if it works. Uh, just just the, the vast amount of ability it gives you and the, the ability to customize and uh, the, the user engagement as well is a massive thing. So, you know, I'm extremely active in the community. All the contributors uh, or many of the contributors are extremely active in that community, you know, all helping each other out. So that, that level of activity is extremely appreciative of the people that use it and people are happy to pick it up and feel comforted, especially if they're new to development. They feel comforted that there's somebody there that they can turn to and ask. Whereas if you're using kind of like the Steam VR plugin, um, you don't get any support for that really at all. Like Valve don't give any support. They tend to do something open source it and then leave it to people to sort out for themselves. Um, so and and also as well that the the concept that people felt that. VRTK wasn't mine. They felt that VRTK was ours, was always really important to me because other people's approach might be, this is my thing, I'll listen to your ideas, but I'm going to implement what I think. Whereas I always said, VRTK is a community thing, we should implement what we think is best. And that level of ownership really empowers people to to want to get involved and to do more. And I think that's 
a large portion of where it's got its uh, its traction from, really. Yeah, no, it it speaks volumes uh, in terms of your ability to foster a community because it's not easy. I mean. Sure, you built the thing, but then you also have to have the right attitude in terms of fostering and the right mentality in terms of fostering the the community that would then you know support the thing. And so and so you know, kudos to you for doing that. Um, now the next question I have for you is, what feature uh, is most requested to you by the community, or is there a feature that is constantly being asked for, but you're like, I'm gonna get to it. Just give me some time, or or is it that one feature that you're like that's impossible guys stop asking me for that one feature it's not going to happen i can't it's not there's no way unity can even do that so why are you asking um is there are there are there features in that sort of category yeah so there are features on on both sides obviously uh, a lot of the lessons learned from vrtk uh up to version 3.3 which is the, the latest version that has been uh, an evolutionary process from effectively that rubbish script that I wrote two years ago it's evolved and evolved and as I said it was called the Steam VR Unity Toolkit it was very baked into around the idea of what Steam VR did and what the HTC Vive did and that's still in the the version 3.3 today Um, so there's a lot of lessons learned along there you know I didn't really know Unity um, and and all the the things that it could do I didn't know a lot of the problems uh, and solutions for VR either and that's all grown so there's always been a lot of uh, requests of oh it would be great if we could just do and this is really hard and cumbersome to configure and whilst VRTK is uh, configurable and easy-ish to use when you really want to delve in deep, it then starts becoming a struggle because there's a lot of what's called coupling, so things are coupled tightly to each other, so it makes it difficult to uh, really then change one side of things without breaking something else. So a point in case is if you wanted to have um, a button press grab something that's fine it's easy enough to do but now if you wanted to have something totally different grab something it could be like um the squeeze of a hand or the 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 tracking of a glove in the current version of vitk that becomes a little more cumbersome to do so it's those things of um how can i have that real pure control over things but also on the other hand have it easy to use for beginners so that is what we're fa- uh, we're working on with VRTK V4, so that's been in production now for the past two three months, um, and we're hoping to get that uh, released this year at some point. Fingers crossed. Um, and the point of it is, is it, it is that system. It's totally generic underneath, so there's nothing in there that is actually VR related, which means everything that we do is just. Uh, taking all these pieces and they're kind of stitching them together to create things that are useful in VR, which means if you really then want to go in and start messing stuff about underneath, you totally can and it's easy. But then from the, the beginner's perspective, again, it's simply just dragging and dropping and you're ready to go. So a lot of the issues that have arisen over the past couple of years with people saying, oh, it'd be nice if, it'd be nice if, are now actually being addressed. And that's... Um, that was the uh, the plan from like last year. I could see that was the problem from last January, 
and that's where the Kickstarter came about to, to try and get funding to build version 4 because version 4 is a total rewrite it's taking all those lessons learned and it's starting again and it's doing it in a much more structured and much more decoupled way so there was a Kickstarter to try and get that funded etc and we can talk about the funding stuff in a bit because I'll answer the other part of the question first which was uh, other things that people ask that I just say no to. Um, so we always get asked, uh, can we have multiplayer banked into the RTK so I can just drag and drop stuff and multiplayer just works? Obviously, there's a lot of multiplayer games that utilise the RTK, so it's possible to use the RTK in a multiplayer environment. However, we, ne- we always say we're not going to bake multiplayer into the RTK because what solution is being baked in? For Unity alone, there are multiple solutions that you can use to implement multiplayer, whether it's Unet, which is obviously now being deprecated since they announced that today. Um, there's uh, Photon and, you know, there's other ones. So from uh, a VRTK perspective, it's like, which one do you bake in? You don't bake them all in because there's going to be another one that comes out that you're then not supporting. So the best thing to do is to not bake any of them in and just offer people examples of how to use the different tools which is what what's happened so it gets asked a lot can you have it so we can just drag and drop multiplayer but unfortunately multiplayer is not that straightforward mm-hmm. um, and it's something that we shouldn't be baking into the core of unit into the core of vrtk yeah multiplayer yeah it seems like um so what is the easiest way if, if people like are, are trying to create a, a multiplayer experience like what direction do you, do you point them in do you tell them all right go download this plugin or go find go go check out this youtube playlist and and that'll teach you like do you have uh advice on on how to uh create multiplayer experiences yeah so there's a great um there's a couple of great repos that people in the community have created and there's a really good one uh for um photon and VRTK. So Photon is, oh, it's it's Pun. I think Photon's the name of the company. It's Photon Pun. Pun is the name of the uh, asset that gives you uh, network, you know, multiplayer uh, capability. There's a great repo. Um, I think it's called Playo VR on GitHub, and it utilizes uh, Photon Pun and VRTK, and it's an example of how to construct a multiplayer scene where there are multiple avatars in the scene. You can pick stuff up. You can pass it to each other. You know those sorts of things. Um, so, generally, when people ask, we put them into these repos and say, you know, this has got all the coding that you need to get going. It's not something that we support. It's not something that's baked in. But there's one for uh, the photon stuff. There's one for UNet. Uh, and there's another one that I can't remember that somebody else supports. So that's the best thing to do is to get involved in these other repositories that VRTK has kind of spawned and enabled to exist. So I'm not a developer, um, and 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 it's gonna and it's gonna reflect on the next question I'm gonna ask you. <laughs> uh, can I, for example, uh, create something in VRTK and then bring it to VR chat? <laughs> or is that um, compatibility? I'm not sure because I don't know. Uh, I've never done anything in VR chat, so I'm not sure. I know. I think they've got a Unity plugin. Mm-hmm. Um, it may work. I mean, if if their Unity plugin uh, literally just allows you to write Unity code, then it may, it may work. I'm not sure. I've never used VR chat, so I don't know. 
Well, there's it's, only one way to find out. Yeah. I'll let you know how it goes. <laughs> That'd be cool. Yeah, it'd be interesting if it does work. There's, I find a lot now that people tend. I try and ensure that VRTK works with other things because I, I like it to be inclusive rather than exclusive. So there's another uh, popular toolkit called Newton VR, um, and there was a lot of talk at the start of oh, these two are com- competing and everything like that, and I never wanted to compete and. The, the guy that developed uh, Newton VR, Keith, he didn't want to compete either. You know, we wanted to work together so people could use Newton VR and they could use VRTK and they could they could chop and change between the two. So if they wanted to use a bit of that and wanted to use a bit of that, that's cool. So we try and work together. And there's, uh, there's another asset called Curve UI and the other day they just announced that they're going to get VRTK their stuff working with VRTK as well. So it's great that, you know, if people can get things working together, that's just fewer barriers for developers to deal with, and that's only better for VR if developers are having an easier time to build for it. Yes, that's for sure. And so in that same vein, um, for people who are, are who, who are just starting out with VRTK, what sort of uh, tips or advice would you would you? Give the gift to them to keep in mind as they head in into their journey uh, learning VRTK. Have a play with the example scenes. It's always a great thing. See what's uh, achievable. Um, watch the videos on YouTube. Hopefully they're 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 good enough. But I'm very aware that I'm not very good at creating tutorial based content. Dude, they're pretty good. Like, they're pretty good. Don't, don't a lot of a lot of people much. a lot of people say that, you know, a lot of people do say they're good, which is nice, you know, it's nice to know um that you know they have got better. But for the version four stuff we actually have uh, a different plan of how we're gonna do all the educational content. We're have, that's for me that's as important as the code. You know, there's no point in having a great toolkit that only seasoned developers that really get it can use for me the education part of how to use this toolkit is as important as writing the toolkit so for version four we put a lot of emphasis on how to actually teach people not only about vr and what the problems of vr are but how to solve them with vrtk um so yeah looking at the looking at the youtube videos and being in being in the slack channel and asking because there's so many people that come into that Slack channel that are totally new and they're pulling their hair out with a problem. And within minutes, somebody in there has gone, have you tried this or done this or let me have a look at this, and, you know, and helped them out. So, you know, not being afraid to ask questions. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I've actually gone into the Slack a couple of times. I was, I was lurking. I'm a big lurker. I, I, have a, I have issues with just being a lurker. I have to be more involved and engage with people. But... Uh, but yeah, it seems like a really friendly and awesome community. And I have a question um, regarding that. Now that I think about it, what is uh, is there a consensus in terms of like where is the best place to share your VRTK or VR prototype once you're done? Like, like all right, I've done this prototype. I wanna, I wanna, I wanna share my demo with people. Um, how, where do I go? Like, is there? Do you know if that's being discussed in the Slack channel? Yeah, there's a channel. Uh, there's a whatever they're called the uh, it's a a sub channel isn't it or whatever they call them now in there there's, there's one in there for uh, testing where people just go in and they go oh, does somebody want to have a look at this or you know you can do it in any of the, the channels really there's not 
not much moderation that goes on in there. And everyone, they say everyone's friendly enough. So there's a lot of times people will be posting their, their latest version of the game that they're working on something, and other people will download it and they'll have a play. If people are working on a multiplayer game, obviously it's very, if you're a, a solo dev, it's very difficult to test a multiplayer game on your own. So people will say, oh, I need some help. Can somebody jump in with me on this? And there's, you know, there's always a good chunk of people from all over the world. So it covers all time zones of people in that Slack channel, you know, and there's generally somebody around that can help out. So it's, it's really great for that. Very cool. And so I'm, I'm wondering about your goals. What are your long-term goals for VRTK and, and maybe you, you can share a little bit about your short-term goals as well. Yeah, so the short-term goals are to get VRTK V4 built. Um, so now we've got the funding from Oculus that's enabling us to do that. So that's funded us six months' worth of development, which has enabled us to actually build VRTK V4 from ground up. Um, so the short-term goal is to do that, get that done, uh, get that delivered on the Unity platform, and alongside that, come up with the educational content of teaching people how to use VRTK. So what's, what I've noticed over the past two years is there's a lot of people that want to learn VRTK, and really the ways of learning it, if you mess about with it, you watch the YouTube videos, or you ask in the, uh, the Slack channel. And then there's the other side of it, where there's... M- quite a few um, actual educational bodies, whether they're universities, colleges, or even high schools, that are putting together their own curriculums in how to teach VR, and then they utilise VRTK in that curriculum. Um, So one of the things that we're interested in doing is seeing if we can come up with some sort of standardised curriculum of how to learn about VR and leveraging the power of VRTK to teach people how to use it. And then these uh, educators, whether they're at universities or high schools or wherever, can be leveraging that content that we're creating. So that content, again, will be open source. Um, so they're not having to pay for it. They can take it straight back to their universities. And hopefully those educators will then feed back into that content. And again, we can get a community-driven uh, approach to building educational content. Um, and we we want to push that forward. As I said earlier, the the education side of things for me is as important as the code because when you're bringing new people in you've got to make the journey as uh, frictionless as possible the most important thing is to get somebody to build something on day one and be able to look back at it and, and feel proud of what they've done it could be absolute trash what they've built but they can feel proud of what they've done and think I can have another go at that the next day, and then they come back the next day and they have another go. And, you know, eventually, as you said earlier, it's like climbing the mountain. Eventually, you get better and better and better. And then when you're at the top of the mountain, you look down and you go, what a journey that was. So it's really encouraging people to take that journey. So they're the short-term goals, probably within the next uh, year. And the longer-term goals is, can we take VRTK to other platforms to take it? uh, So developers aren't just tied to using Unity. So bringing it to Unreal Engine, bringing it to WebVR, bringing it to, you know, any other engines that might be out there. There's uh, Godot, the open source game engine as well. It'd be great to, to, to support things like that, which is, again, open source. So then as a developer or as, you know, a beginner developer, you can come to this and you can go, right, I want to build something for VR. 
I've got any number of headsets, which is what VRTK currently solves. So if I've got uh, a Windows Mixed Reality headset or I've got uh, a HTC Vive or I've got an Oculus Rift or a, an Oculus Go or a Daydream, whatever the headset may be, I can build something in VRTK and it's going to work on whatever headset I've built or I've used. We want to then take that same thing and go to have the developer to be able to say, well, I've built something in Unity, but there's something in Unreal Engine that I'm really keen of using. So can I transfer my knowledge from the Unreal, from the Unity Engine to the Unreal Engine? And if the patterns and the design patterns that, you, that you've used within VRTK are very similar, you should be able to do that. Or if you want to go over to WebVR, you should be able to do that. And these aren't new ideas. If you look at things within the web uh, world where you've got like React.js, uh, which is a Facebook product, they do this very successfully, and they will need to build for the web with their components. But then if you wanted to build a mobile app using React Native uh, IR, so you wanted to build for Android, it enables you to do that. So it's those same sorts of things, but bringing it over to this uh, VR world so developers can not be tied down to any one thing and go, well, I want to be a VR developer, but I've put all my time and effort into Unity, and now I want to do something in web VR, so I have to relearn everything again there. We don't want to have people have to go through that sort of pain. We want people to go, well, I learned VRTK, so I should be able to pick up any engine and any uh hardware and it should just work so that's a, that's the longer term plan really i'm particularly excited about the prospect of having vrtk work with web vr can you perhaps share a bit more details in terms of what your plans look like for that so the plans the immediate plans are to get something working in unity because that's obviously uh, a large base of vrtk at the moment um and it's a large base of where people are coming in as beginners into VR development and that's also what we've been funded to do but once we've passed that and we've we've ironed out what these design patterns are and when we say design pattern we mean what are the basic building blocks required to do things in VR so if I want to move around whether that's teleporting or something uh, what is it fundamentally that you need to do um, in a generic state to do that uh, what is it for a pointer what is it for picking stuff up etc so that's what we're doing in v4 we're designing generic design patterns that do that functionality once we've designed them just like anything in computer science once you've designed an algorithm it can be applied in any language on any platform and it does the same thing and that's kind of what we're trying to do here so once we've done it in unity it's not reliant upon how unity works or what unity does so then it's a case of just re-implementing those patterns on another platform so whether it's uh web vr or unreal engine or whatever it may be if we implement those patterns and you've learned those patterns that should work so when we get around to doing that um, which will probably be next year, we'll then hopefully be able to have conversations with people like Mozilla and stuff like that because they're very interested in you know, open source and they have grant programs for this stuff. So hopefully we can, we can talk to them and see if we can get a bit of funding to actually get this done for web VR because it would be ideal you know, if you are completely new to this and you don't have Unity, you don't have that sort of setup and you just want to build something for web VR, web VR may be the first thing somebody comes along and has a play with VRTK with they build something on web VR with VRTK they get bitten by the bug for building for VR and then their next protocol may be well I want to build something that's really deep and detailed but now I'm going to need a, 
a more detailed engine, whether that's Unreal or whether that's Unity. And they go, well, I can take my existing knowledge and I can just apply it to whichever platform I'm interested in looking at rather than go, oh, it's such a burden to have to learn Unity or to learn Unreal. They go, well, I know most of it already. So that's kind of the goal, really. Yeah, in, in learning VRTK and Unity, I, I've... I've um... I've come across a, a bit of a predicament, and maybe you can perhaps help me with my predicament. And, and I think I already know the answer, but I want to know what you think. Um, so so I've realized that I've gone to a point where, like, I can make things happen. <laughs> I can point and click. I can I can I can copy paste some C sharp script from somewhere and put it and put it in my C sharp script, and then and then I can run and I can press play, and all of a sudden, magically, it works. But I have no clue how it all works underneath the hood. <laughs> I have no idea. And so for me, there's, there seems like there's this there's this gap between you know getting things done to understanding how the things that you're doing get done in the first place. Yeah. Uh, and so and so to getting to that point, I wonder what your solution sort of is. What your thoughts on that are? Um, because that's sort of what sets apart someone who's just a prototype or just for fun and someone who can actually create a career and pro- provide, you know, major value. And, and I don't know, and, and perhaps maybe that's not for everybody. Maybe everybody that jumps into BRTK doesn't have that goal in mind, but I, I want to know what your thoughts are. No, so that's exactly um, my passion for it as well. I was just saying the... The educational side of things is as important. So as you say at the moment, it's quite difficult to, if you're new to it, to drag and drop, drag and drop, and then look at the code because there's a fair bit of code behind each of the functions that do something because the functions are, they're they're not generic. They are, this is a pointer script, this is a teleporter script. So there's a lot of logic in each of those scripts and that's all baked up then in C Sharp, which is, if you're not a programmer, it can be like reading a, a foreign language. Um, so the point of the educational piece, or the, the first of all, the point of version four of ITK is to make things very, very small, very, very simple, very, very bite-sized, and then everything is effectively hooked up um, via events. So this does something, tells something else, this does something, tells something else. And what that enables us to do on um, a uh, first port is to make things very visual, so you could use something like Playmaker in Unity or Unreal Engine already has its blueprint system. And it's this visual scripting thing where you have little notes that you literally just join up with lines. When I've done this, grab and do this. You know, if you look at like Scratch from MIT, it's the same thing. And, you know, children uh, are being taught that at the age of five at school. So it's a great way of understanding things is visual scripting. Um, so we're really building with that in mind to enable that to its most uh, potential but then on the other side of that the actual educational piece what we want to do is we want to have kind of like this curriculum that starts at the top end the most helicopter view of the situation uh, as possible going bringing total beginners in what is vr what are the problems in vr you know what are the sorts of solutions you know really really explaining it uh, extremely high and simplistic level and then the next part the next stage down is well this is one of the problems and these are some of the solutions well how do we solve this well this is a drag and drop that you can do within vrtk so we teach them 
And that may be the level that you want to stop at. As you say, you may be the person that you, you just want to do some prototyping and it's not your goal to figure out any more than that. So you just want to know, oh, I drag and drop something and now I can teleport around my scene with a pointer. It's fine. But then we have another level underneath that of then we go in and explain the components of what's enabling that to happen. And then there's another level underneath where we go in and we explain the code of the components of what's enabling it to happen. And then there's another level and another. And then we get down to the bottom level of the actual code API. So the interfaces of that code of as a programmer, what I, what can I call? What is that available for me to call in these sub levels to actually understand stuff? So the plan for the educational side of thing is to actually have kind of like key stage steps all the way down to that the lowest level it can be so you know if you're on a journey from a complete beginner you know a a complete beginner that may not have done any programming may not even be a game developer may not really use a computer they don't even probably know what vr is and what the problems are so it's that first that first entry point needs to be explaining that and then that might not be your entry point your entry point may be the second one, which is, well, what are the problems in VR that need to solve? may not be. You may have, as you said, you already had an idea of uh, a Ninja Warrior-type game, so you already know what problems that you need to solve because you know the sorts of mechanics. So you may come in at the third stage of, well, what are the solutions to these problems? And then you come in at the fourth stage and say, well, how do I solve them uh, within VRTK? Well, I'm going to drag that, I'm going to drop that, I'm going to drag that. Now you've got your game. And then there's that itch that you want to scratch out of, what the hell have I just done? How does this work? Well, the educational piece comes back in again and it will teach you about the components that were put in place to do what was required. And then again, you can keep going down at your comfort level to the part of where you want to stop and go, well, this is probably as much as I need to know. Like many programmers, you know, you can, most Unity developers probably don't know how the graphics engine's working behind the scenes. And most graphic engine uh, developers will understand memory management stuff but probably don't understand the the hardware behind it how the engineering of the circuitry works so you know a lot it's no different to any other thing in in computing there's always a level where your interest stops and you can't be bothered to learn that next stage like a lot of c-sharp developers won't know anything about memory management because you don't need to do it um so they just won't they're not interested in it, and we want that same level of tutorials or YouTube videos or you know uh, video-based courses that can teach that sort of information. Wow, I'm uh, I'm excited. I'm I'm yeah, I'm really excited about this. I can't wait. How is this going to become available? Is this going to be uh, on the YouTube channel, or is this going to be a Udemy course, or uh, what are your plans for this for the educational so, piece? So obviously YouTube will be uh, one of the, the prime outlets because it's already an outlet for a lot of the, the videos. We're still going through ways of the best way of getting written content um, out there as well. But, you know, there, there's also what we want to try and do is make as much content uh, as free as possible as well. We're very, we're, we want to make it free, but we also want to be sustainable. Obviously, if we just give everything away all the time, it's not sustainable and we'll just all burn out and there won't be anything so we need to look at ways of actually uh, making money and funding this sort of content so that's uh, stuff that we're looking into as well um but yeah there could be uh online courses whether they're paid courses or something we we're considering uh workshops that workshop packages that can be put together that then there could be people hosting local workshops teaching these sorts of stuff um 
I say online written documentation is very important. Videos are great, and I prefer watching videos to learn. There's a lot of people out there that prefer to read, have the thing on the screen next to them, and then they read down at their own pace. So we're we're very kind of like keyed into doing that sort of stuff as well. So we're still going through the process at the moment of figuring out how it's all going to happen. But within the next couple of months, we should be starting to see some of that content come around because we've already got enough in VRTK V4 now to start creating educational content for. So we can already have pointers. We can already teleport around. We can already grab things and throw them around and stuff like that. So there's enough of the basics there that we can start creating content. So hopefully within the next two months, we'll start seeing that educational side of VRTK really come to fruition. Very cool. Will there be, uh, so as, as version 4 comes out, um, will there still be some support for earlier versions, V3 and, and so on and so forth? The, well, yeah, there's always going to be. I mean, the, the community supports it anyway. Um, and, you know, if people find, well, there probably won't be any new features for previous versions because there's no point in spending effort and time on in bringing features to the older versions but you know bug fixes or help with how to get stuff done yeah you know the community will always support that stuff anyway very cool yeah i'm, I'm excited for that um another question uh, that i have for you is so working um on vrtk i wonder has it taught you anything about the vr industry landscape like any lessons that you sort of like can 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 sort of infer from your experiences working uh, with VRTK. So the uh, the the biggest eye opener for me um, within the kind of the, the industry that's kind of sitting in at the moment is how competitive it is somewhat. So as a web developer. I'm just so used to everything being open source, being free. If I want something, I can go and get it. There's an open source repo for it. I can use it. I can modify it. I can maintain it. I can do what I like. And that's extremely natural. Coming over into the industry that VR and VRTK sits in at the moment, it was an eye-opener to see that how many things were held back. This is mine. I've built it. I want to charge some money for it. I want to make a bit of cash. I want to... I want to uh, be successful and I want to compete with you so VRTK has been considered competition by some other toolkits out there which didn't make sense in my head because it's open source and free so it's not competition to anybody if anything people should be collaborating not competing especially in this this area um, and then there's the other side of it as well as a web developer of most web developers that I'm aware of are more than happy to take tried and tested code and just use it. Whereas what I found over here, there's uh, there's more of the attitude of if I haven't written it, it can't be any good. So there's a lot of what's known as not invented here syndrome, where if people haven't built it themselves and they don't consider it very good. So there's an, a number of stories that I've heard of people saying, I wouldn't use VRTK because X, Y, and Z, it can't do this, it's not like this. And, you, and these people that are saying that have never used it, so they don't know. All they know is what they've done. And this isn't a new phenomenon. As I say, I've been a web developer for a long time, and this used to happen way back when. So when things like jQuery were just coming out and that, people refused to use it. Now I've got to write my own JavaScript. I'm going to I'm going to do it better. And slowly but surely, those sorts of people die out because the frameworks that come in that become standardised that people use 
a better because why reinvent the wheel? You know, it's it's a waste of energy. You should focus on your problems, not solved problems. So that that was probably the biggest eye opener to me to see the amount of the amount of competition and kind of attitude of things must be destroyed if they are competing with us. So I've, I've kind of seen within this world, and it's not been everybody. Um, as I say, uh, from like from the perspective of uh, Oculus, who generally do get a bad rap, I've had nothing but positivity. Uh, any dealings I've had with Oculus, obviously they funded uh, the, the version 4 work as well. Um, so there are people in the industry that totally do get it and, you know, are interested in helping moving forward and then there are other people in the industry that seem to think no you're competing against us we've got to kind of destroy you so it's it's a bit of an eye-opener man that is uh, a shame that uh mm-hmm. that these greedy people see it that way but you know what they can't how, how are they going to compete with something so awesome <laughs> with a community so vibrant you know no matter no matter how much money they have like and that's the thing that, for a while, um, for me, was feeding this like uh, this this wanting for VR to succeed. Um, back when like back when Oculus was like you know like like uh, a, a small startup, um, you know people would say like you know how are they going to compete with like Google and Sony and all these others? And I would say it's because they have this community, man, and they and you yeah. can't buy a community. You can't just buy one. You know, they grow organically, and they and they and they and and the and this hive mind sort of forms to create things out of it, and and, and it's amazing. And so, and, and so that's what I see with VRTK, and and that's why it's kind of odd for someone to take on that sort of mentality, that like that competitive mentality. If anything, I would love to collaborate. And get to know your community and support and contribute. You know, it just doesn't make sense. I, I, I see, I see, I see where you're coming from, though. The 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 whole open source mentality. It, it, it started changing, um, at least for me. Uh, I started noticing after the Facebook acquisition. That's when VR started changing a little, like changing yeah. towards the more, you know, money driven, uh, greedy. You know, all I see is dollar bills kind of mentality. Which is weird as well, because Facebook, on the website, are one of the most open contributors to open source. As I say, things like React.js, uh, HHVM, all these sorts of things. They've done a lot of open source on the web front of things. So, And Microsoft as well. Microsoft are like one of the biggest open source. I think they are the biggest open source contributor on GitHub. Obviously, now they've just bought GitHub out, but, you know, on, on other aspects of things, these companies are unbelievably giving um, with their time. Even Apple do a lot of open source and support a lot of open source stuff within their operating system. So these companies, in other aspects of their businesses, are very tuned in to open source. So they know about it. And then, but in other parts, of, because they're so big. Obviously, these companies are actually absolutely huge. There's whole other departments that have probably never touched open source and think it's the devil. So it's very interesting. It is, and it's for me, it just doesn't make sense. If we want VR to succeed, we need as many people making VR as possible. Exactly. Tools, tools like VRTK make that happen. And you know, I wonder, have you been offered any acquisition or like 
offers like has Microsoft or Facebook or yeah. HTC have come up and said, hey, we'll buy out VRTK and everything yeah. will be fine. That's happened, yeah. So uh, a number, and I won't uh, name any of the names of the companies because uh, I'm pretty sure I had to sign NDAs on these deals. Um, but there's been a number of companies that have uh, approached and said, you know, we want to uh, pay, you know, decent amounts of cash for VRTK. Um, but they always come with caveats of, well, what we want to do is when we've bought it, we actually want to now do this with it. So we want it to work on our platform only, or we want it to have this take on it. And every offer that had been made was always about how can they reshift it away from what my vision was, which is getting as most people as possible to build for VR. Their solution is, well, we just want to capitalize on this, and we want as most people as possible building for our path. And that's that's not helpful. That's not helpful for VR. That's like saying, well, we've just come out with a new computer monitor and we want all developers building just for our monitor. Well, that's not helpful for game developers or for the industry. So any of those offers that came back, like people think I'm crazy when I tell them um, that I've turned down offers from the names of the companies that I've turned down offers from. But, you know, at the end of the day, money isn't everything. And sticking by your principles and building what you think is important is the important thing rather than you know just kind of looking for a quick way out and selling out. I'd, I'd rather have wrapped VRTK up and not worked on it than sell it out to somebody that would have run it into the ground. Dude, I dig your style. I dig your style because I am a sellout. I would totally sell out. <laughs> I'm so sorry, world. I disappoint you, but I would totally just sell out. I and and I'm cheap too. I'm very cheap. So. So it's amazing that you have such strong principles and you're standing by your values because, you know, people like you are exactly what this industry needs. Um, You know, people who are thinking about, like, the overall grand scheme of things, not just how to make a quick buck on segmenting and fragmenting the industry even more. Yeah. Damn it. Uh, it sucks. It, it sucks because, you know, I, have you read the article uh, or did you see the headline, VR is dead? Um, yeah. What do you think about that? What are your thoughts on 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 when when you read a headline or if people come up to you and said, "Is VR dead?" Does that it's, it's silly. Let's go back to let's say the 1950s when people were uh, everybody didn't have a TV and a few people had a TV and there was what one show, one channel on that TV and it was a horrible little box and nobody was watching it. Were people saying back then, oh, TV's a fad, it's dead, it's not going to replace the radio? Yeah, of course people were saying that. Lots of people were saying that. This isn't going to take off. People were saying it about the mobile phone. They're too big, they're too bulky. This isn't feasibly something that people can afford to have and to carry around. All technology goes through this. It's not something like um, a piece of technology like uh, Microsoft Connect, which the Connect for me was probably one of the best pieces of technology that came out over the last decade um, or the previous decade because it was just so cool in what it could do but it didn't take off for any number of reasons but the technology is obviously taken off you've seen that depth based tracking in mobile phones so like obviously a lot of uh, the iPhone X and uh, a lot of these other phones have got this depth based tracking in their system so the technology continues to move forward the products might have died but the technology moves forward and vr is technology and vr is a technology that people have kind of romanticized about 
for the past 30 or 40 years, been able to lose yourself in another world. And we're finally at a stage now where it is, it's not those first mobile phones that were the big bricks that you carried around like a big suitcase. They're the mobile phones that people were carrying around, like the original Nokia 3310s that had a little LCD screen, but are now used to make calls and send SMSs. That's where we are now. We're in a stage where it is functional. It's not brilliant, but it is functional. Give it a few more years, and we will, we will be in the era of the smartphone, of VR, where it is actually something that people are starting to use. And then you've got, because VR is only one part of this spatial computing world, and then we've got the AR side of things. And when AR is nailed, and that's probably not for another 10 years, maybe at least, but that's, that's the game changer. That's the thing that probably replaces the smartphone. And people won't have smartphones anymore. They'll have AR devices, whatever it may be, to augment their reality. And I'm not just talking about glasses. Now, vision is only one part of our reality that we can augment. There's other parts of our other senses that we've got that we can augment. So this, we're just at the start of it, that's all. It's not dead. It's far from dead. It's just been born, really. I like that. I like that a lot. It just been it's just been born. It's true. It to, it it totally speaks to where we are and it just, you know, to me it feels like uh 5 years went by like a blink of an eye. And 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 it, and it, and, it, and it's going to be another 10 years before it becomes mainstream and I wonder where do you want VRTK to be when that wave starts happening building up for VR to become mainstream? Uh, it'd be nice if it's the thing that's bringing new people in to build for it so we can start seeing things for VR that nobody thought of you know you you start you'll you'll be playing a game that's been built by you know a complete new new beginner to development but they had a crazy idea that nobody thought of and they've brought it there and that you know we talk about these killer apps of VR Maybe the killer app is, is going to be built by somebody that has no experience, but they've had the most weird and wonderful idea that we've never even, you know, conceptualised. And if VRTK can be a part of doing that, bringing people into this new medium and teaching people how to do it, because it, it's, a, it's a new medium. It's not like anything else before where we... Ha- it's, it's like when cinema came out or moving pictures came out uh, back in the early 19... Uh, the, 1900s that was a new medium people didn't know how to to sell that 2d thing they had they had uh theater before and theater was a similar medium but it was 3d it was very boxed it was very fixed and you see that in the original cinema films everything was filmed as if it was on a theater they didn't do panning shots they didn't do anything like that that they realized like well we can we can move the camera we can move the audience around because we were unable to do that before that, you had music. That was another medium that people had. Then we went through uh, a century of a medium of flat-screened uh, con- cons- consuming of whether it was videos or movies or TV. But it was always the same sort of thing. We can move around it as an audience, but we're still a passenger on the journey. Now, VR is bringing us in as an active participant of that journey, so it's a new medium. Whether with And everything's about telling a story, whatever that story may be, even if it's Space Invaders and the stories shoot those things shooting back at you, that's still a story. It's just a very basic story. So VR is a new medium that we need to figure out 
how do we tell that story? And we are in that stage at the moment, just like cinema was, of where we're just going to film the same way that theatre was uh, shot and portrayed. VR's in a similar way. We're we're just building what we currently know from desktop computing games and console games. There are a few things that are a bit weird and wonderful, but, you know, I reckon in the next 10, 15 years, people will start really finding out that power of what this new medium, this spatial medium that we can be active participants of, and they'll figure out some really cool stuff, and we'll look back on that. You go, oh, you remember way back when, when we did that? Wasn't that stupid? You know, so it'll be interesting to say. That indeed. I, I By the way, I like the fact they use the word spatial computing. I've been trying to say XR, but it just doesn't stick. Just I, don't get, stick. I don't know why. It just doesn't stick to me. It's because like, no, nobody knows what it means. That's the problem with XR. Does it mean cross-reality? Is the X a placeholder? Does it mean extended reality? There's so many different things for XR. It just creates confusion. And then, obviously, Microsoft have got their own uh, version of it, which is mixed reality, which makes sense to a certain regard of what they're saying. There's, re- there's reality reality, and then there's full... Uh, virtual reality and if you look at it on a scale there's reality reality what we're in now we can see everything and then there's a spectrum all the way down to virtual reality which is kind of like the matrix where you're plugged in completely in your entire body every sense that you've got feels like it's in a virtual world so that's their spectrum Um, and then these headsets sit along there some way so a VR headset isn't at that far end spectrum of the matrix sort of thing because you're only augmenting your, or you're only replacing your vision, your sound, and a little bit of your touch with controllers and that, but you're not all the way. And then HoloLens and things like that sit further up near the reality-reality side. So mixed reality kind of works in that regard, but spatial, uh, for me, always feels nicest because you're talking about a medium that you have access to a three-dimensional space in as well that you can interact with. So I quite like that term as well. Nice. I, I have a, just a couple more questions to ask you. Sorry for running a little late, but I'm really That's curious right. to know about what are your thoughts um, when the day ha- the day comes. Well, there will be a day where we will cross the Uncanny Valley, um, and people will put on the headset, and they'll be like, "Holy shit! I can't tell the difference between what I'm looking at this headset in real life." And I think that and and that's going to happen to millions and millions of people. Almost, almost all at once because you know it's gonna how, of how the economies of scale and how they'll, these headsets will be distributed. And I wonder what you think that will do to society when all of a sudden millions of people are having these existential crises, thinking to themselves like, "What the fuck is reality given more in, 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 anymore?" Like, I, we're, I, we have now. I have a helmet that I'm literally. You know, that literally fools my senses almost 100%. You know, what do you think um, that will do to society? Well, society has been through those things before, and I'll give an example in a moment. But, you know, it it will have an impact and society will adapt and evolve. And there's uh, just like something as simple as the smartphone that connected so many people in such a short amount of time to the entire world. And society had uh, a shift because of that, it went from 
back in the day when you couldn't have the anonymity of saying whatever you wanted, wherever you wanted, to whomever you wanted. Um, you had to be aware of what you were saying. There were consequences to what you said, and you were held accountable for them. And then social media things come in, and people have not only the anonymity, anonymity of uh, what they want to say, uh, but also... They have the backup of being able to say, people have got an instant army whenever they say anything on social media because there's going to be people that agree with their opinion or disagree with their opinion. And they will, you know, it's an instant army to attack the people that are shouting down to you. So society has already been or is going through this kind of like shift change right now that when technology brings us into an era of understanding that we don't know, how do we cope with it? You go back. You go all the way back to fire, for instance, when fire was first uh, discovered. What did that do for society? Where people people must have been totally blown away, or air travel, or you know, the industrial revolution. Society has been through these technological changes, and it adapts and it moves forward. And the as you say, when the uncanny valley uh, is finally crossed, and people can put a headset on and put themselves into an entire new world. What will that do for society? Will people go, well, I don't need to live in the real world now because I can live in a fake world? And we're already seeing those sorts of things now. People say, when I was young, everybody wanted to be um, a sports star, whether it was football or soccer, as uh, you would say. Um, and that's what you wanted to be. You wanted, you, wanted to, you wanted to play for your team and stuff like that. But the reality is you weren't going to. So you had to have a fallback job. You had to do something else. You had to have another interest. But now, people watch uh, YouTube or they watch uh, reality TV and they think, I just need to be famous, that's all I have to be. And because there's no real, there's no perceived skill to get into that, society is already having that shift change. You're going, well, I just want to be a YouTuber. And it's like, well, there's a billion people out there all wanting to be YouTubers. There's a very, very small amount that actually succeed in making a living out of YouTube so you probably want something to fall back on but society doesn't see that society now sees it being extremely important to just be famous on social media so that if you project forward into when uh, VR crosses this uncanny valley what will happen to society will people just think I don't need to bother with real life anymore so it will be very very interesting but as I say society has been there many many times and it's still going yeah, no, it's it sort of reminds me of a, a, a bit of a story. I, um, I I went to dinner with my my girlfriend and her friends, and I was telling them about this experience I had in VR chat, where and I I, I go around, um, dressed or wearing the avatar of Snorlax from Pokemon. Yeah. And Snorlax, everyone loves fucking Snorlax. No one, no one, no one says shit to Snorlax. Like <laughs> you walk in as a Snorlax, and everybody's like, "Hey, it's Snorlax!" And it's awesome. You get all the love. One time, I was in this one room where these uh, anime characters decided out of the blue to step inside my avatar, so they were inside my belly, and they started holding sort of like a, a meeting in there. And at first it was just two of them, and then three, and then four. And all of a sudden, I had eight people inside my belly having a conversation about how they were declaring this Club Snorlax, and they were going to meet every Thursday at 7 p.m. inside my belly. 
And I was like, holy fuck, this is insane. I can hear these people inside of me. <laughs> and and in and down down walks by a some anime girl and and she's like wondering what's going on and I say to her, um, excuse me, miss, I'm Club Snorlax, would you like to come inside of me? <laughs> and so the people in the table were like laughing, but they started like awkwardly like going like, oh, you said that too loud. <laughs> but the but the funny thing is, is like in the context of that moment, that's not a dirty joke at all. Literally, yeah. I was asking her to come inside of my belly so that she can be part of the clubhouse. Yeah. Um, and so stories like that are only going to get weirder and weirder and weirder. And so and so to me, it's just funny how. There's going to be a section of the population who's going to go balls to the wall inside the Matrix, and the rest of them are not. And just there's just going to be this sort of this cultural divide as as more and more people get deeper and deeper and deeper, and others stay further away. But technology has always done that. Like when I was 18, like the online dating was a thing. Um, but nobody did it, or it was very taboo. Like people are like, oh, you don't use online dating, that you know. But now, like online dating is, it's just such a norm. So many people yeah. use online dating and don't even blink about it. And there is, you know, uh, a gender gap there. There'll be people that are older that think oh, I don't understand that. And there are people that like that won't use a smartphone. Uh, there's a um, a generation gap uh, that won't use a smartphone um, and they'll look down and think why are people on their smartphones all the time and then there's you know a whole world of people I think there was a, a study done in the UK just the other day and they said like uh, under 35s think that you know that they just couldn't live without their smartphone and then like over 50s just don't get all the fuss hmm. You know, and it's technology does that all the time to people. So you're absolutely right. There will be a time when people that have jumped on the VR bandwagon, and it will probably be the, uh, you know, the, the younger people, um, because that's how things always work. They will, they will embrace the technology, and the older generation will be left behind, and then there will be a new piece of technology that all those young people that are still stuck within their VR are stuck there, and it's moved, and then a, a new generation has moved on. Just the same way you see, like Facebook is very, very uh, heavily older people and not many young people. Twitter is going that way as well. And things like Snapchat, etc., uh, are very driven by the young people. And the older people just don't get it. They just don't understand why you'd even do that, whereas the new generations do. So it will always be embraced by the new generations. Technology always does. Yeah, kind of like... Um, this isn't a technology, but I've noticed a trend of like rappers face uh, putting tattoos on their face yeah and like no, that the rappers i grew up with didn't do that they weren't like they didn't put tattoos on their face what and then i was like oh shit i'm old now oh no yeah. <laughs> things yeah. have changed now the kids are digging that and there there's this one dude with unicorn hair like holy crap yeah <laughs> i'm yeah, old but- <laughs> Back in the day, it was like the, the chains around their neck that they used. I remember, like, uh, even like people like Public Enemy, and that's uh, showing my age, they'd wear like big clocks around their neck, or the Beastie Boys, and it was car badges and things like that, you know, or, you know, that's that's what they wore. And you'd look back at them and I think, that just looks like a silly fancy dress. But yeah. back then, that was cool, you know. 
<laughs> oh my god. No, and you know what what else? I'm I'm starting to realize that if I spend too much time in VR chat and 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 then all my stories are just of me exploring VR chat, then I'm going to be the weird one out. I, I need to go yeah. outside. I need to go explore the real world to get other stories to the mix yeah. in there like like um but yeah, so so balance is important. Uh, Mr. Stone Fox, I'm going to leave you with this last question. Uh, okay. What are your hopes for virtual reality as a whole? Uh, I hope that it, it does keep going forward and it does take off because it is an amazing uh, medium. You know, the the ability to create the feeling of presence uh, creates an emotional connection. That, and it doesn't even have to be realistic. And you see this in things like... like most Pixar films, Pixar films are obviously very highly cartoony, uh, drawn stories, uh, you know, rendered stories, but they've got an extremely emotional connection. You can be extremely emotionally connected to an ant or to a car or to a plane or to, to whatever it may be, and you get really emotionally connected to that thing, and VR can do the same. It can really enable people to get emotionally connected to things. And also, it can do. It can take you further than what the smartphones are doing with connecting people, whether it's via you know video chat or something. If you can be somewhere with somebody and experience something with somebody, and then even if it gets to the point where you can have haptics and you can feel other people's touches and stuff like that, you know, and 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 really interacting, it it brings the the world together. It makes the world feel closer, and that can only be a good thing. Because there's, you know, when you when you talk about a world of uh, diversity and differences and things like that, the way that you get over biases and uh, and prejudices is to spend more time with people that are different. So if and it's not just uh, like in a chat room where everybody could be from everywhere in the world, but everybody's text is the same. If you're in VR and everybody's avatar is different here, there and everywhere, and you're talking to people and you're interacting with people, you can do that with everybody across the world and meet so many different people. So that can only be a good thing for me. Yes, indeed. I, and I'm, I'm, I, and I'm with you a hundred percent. Mr. Stone Fox, how can people stay in touch and follow all the things uh, that you're doing these days? And by the way, I've conclusively concluded that you, sir, are a true scholar and gentleman of virtual reality. Thank you very much. <laughs> sure. So how can people stay in touch and all that good stuff? So Slack channel uh, for VRTK is uh, one of the best things to join if you're interested in VR and VRTK. And you can invite yourself into the Slack channel. You don't need to wait for an invite. So you just need to go to http colon slash slash invite.vrtk.io. Pops up with a, a box, stick your email address in, and it'll invite you into the Slack channel. So that's the easiest way for people to be involved in VR. TK. If you want to look at the YouTube videos, you can go to the YouTube channel. There's a quick link for it rather than remember the, the full YouTube. There's videos.vrtk.io. That'll take you to there. If you want to check out VRTK and actually have a play with it yourself, you can go to the GitHub page, which again is just vrtk.io. It'll redirect you to the GitHub page. Um, the Twitter handle for VRTK is at VR underscore toolkit. Uh, my Twitter handle is at the underscore stonefox. Um, I think that's it for people for keeping in touch. 
Very cool. I'll be sure to include all those links in the show notes. Uh, Mr. Stone Fox, thanks again. Thanks a lot for your time.